when we uh, prayed at the beginning of the service, we prayed that God would help us raise up a generation of people who know how to stand in faith. And um, when uh, a dad is taking his daughter to go to a young life camp and, uh, and he loses his son along the way, you know, and when mission boards are saying, we have people who are really skilled at doing jobs but having a hard time with, uh, with uh, having the internal sustenance, the, 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 the faith grit to handle the field, and any number of other things, what we know is, is that the enemy is one who wants to destroy a generation. And that he wants to keep us from being people who have enough faith and have enough protection to be able to walk forward in the kingdom of God. And what we are facing in the future in the Western world is not a future that's bright and sunny for the church. What we are facing is one that will call the church to stand on Christ. And we need to remember that the church has lasted for 2,000 years in most of the time in situations that were far worse than anything that we've experienced. And that God has proven himself faithful in all of those places. And when we look back to the birthplace of the church, we can look back 2,000 years, but when we look back to the birth of the family of God, we look way back past those 2,000 years and we look to a single guy who was called out and his name was Abraham. And we're going to go all the way back to the story of Abraham and we're going to say, God, what does it mean to be called out in faith and have to walk in faith? And, and then look at what that is. And so that's, that's really where we're coming with this series. And we're going to ask that the principles of a life of faith will be applied to our lives here and now. And that that will help us in preparing the journey for what God wants for his church moving forward. That's what we're looking at. Does that make sense? Um, all right. So um, I'm going to do two things here in the next few minutes. First, I want to set up the series. And then I want to give a little bit about the text we actually have today. Um, this series um, we're calling Taking the Next Step. This is the story of Abraham, okay? And uh, the reason we're calling it Taking the Next Step, there's this moment where uh, a two-year-old, uh, somewhere, no, sorry, not two-year-old, like one-year-old, um, has been a baby, an infant, and mom and dad have really sore lower backs because they walk around like this all the time, holding the kids' hands. And then there's this moment where the child is holding on to a coffee table and their hand lets go of the coffee table and they start doing this. And all of a sudden, mom's screaming and dad's scrambling for his camera and they're taking their first step. And before you know it, those little tiny legs are kindergarten legs that are trying to step up into a big yellow bus, leaving mom on the corner crying, texting dad at work or whatever, you know? And then from there, there's a moment where a child steps into a car. <laughs> and you're like, ah! And then what we really hope is that that child will also step onto a stage and shake the hand of a principal and get a diploma. And from there, who knows? I mean, then, it's, then all the similarities. Some step onto a greyhound to go to the other side of the country to get another degree. Some step into their job. But one thing tends to happen in a lot of people is that somewhere along there, people start to form different kinds of relationships. 
And for some, they form a romantic relationship. And then there's this moment in the romantic relationship where one of those people looks at the other and, and they're wondering, are you ready to take the next step in this relationship? Which leads to a step down an aisle, the first step in the first dance, a step over a threshold, a waddle into a maternity ward, <laughs> and then a little baby letting go of a coffee table. And then mom and dad have a new level of steps and a whole different perspective and a whole different set of steps in their life until one day there's someone in that family who's taking a big step into the eternal hands of God. All through our lives, there are these stages where God calls us to take steps. The funny thing is, is life kind of forces upon us and calls us into these steps, but God, behind all of that, looks at those situations and looks at our lives, and there is a whisper of an eternal God who isn't just there waiting at the end to say, come be with me. He's been there all along asking us to take steps of faith with him. And our journey of faith is one that has these stages and it has these steps. And in order to understand that, it's important to see the patterns of faith that have gone before us because we don't stand on our own. We stand in a lineage, a heritage of faith. And we are part of a grand family of God. And when we look at our forefather, Abraham, the first one called out for the family of God, when we look at him, we start to understand a little bit about our spiritual DNA and the patterns of a life of faith. And when we look at the story of Abraham, it's important. There's these two principles that are really important when understanding the text, when understanding the story of Abraham. They're kind of these literary tools that we need that when you read, this is like if you go to a literary class, a literature class, that these, these principles are really important. One is to understand the context of the story, and the second is to understand any sort of patterns that go on that reveal something in the story. And, th and the first one is about like, I can know a lot more about my life if I know where I come from. You know, you can know things about yourself if you know your, your genealogy a little bit. If you know your heritage, it explains a few things. I'm Irish. It explains my temper. I'm German. It explains my dad. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Knowing our timeline and our heritage helps us understand our story. Knowing the timeline and the heritage in this story is essential. Here it is. There was a flood because there was so much sin that God had to cleanse the face of the earth. As soon as they come back from that flood and the boat lands and the doors open, there's an altar, there's a rainbow, and God tells them to do something. And what does he tell them to do? Go forth, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. The exact same thing that he said to Adam and Eve. Let's start over and let's try this again. 
instantly their sin, because sin never left. That was on the boat, you know? And there's all sorts of problems. But the next big story we hear is about these people who decide to build an enormous tower. And they say, man, this would be awesome. We're going to build this huge tower. And this is in chapter 11. This is, the chapter, this is the chapter that transitions from Noah to Abraham. And listen to these words in chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. But otherwise, just listen to the words. This is chapter 11, verse 4. It says, then they said, come let us build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Lest we have to submit to what God specifically told us to do, because that doesn't sound fun at all. There is something deep in the heart in each and every one of us, and I will say specifically in mine, that does not want to submit to God's way for our life because there is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And there is something in us that is drawn to see things a different way from God. And God had just got done cleaning the whole earth and giving one command, spread out, go, fill the earth. And they're like, let's build a tower that goes straight up so we don't ever have to leave. And we can stay in the comfort of one another. Completely, completely in opposition to God. Completely selfish. Not interested in submitting to God. Then there's this guy, there's a, and, and what we watch is from the flood, this thing happens where generation after generation, the, it gets the, the lifespan, you know, before the flood, people were so old, super old, living like 800, 900 years, you know? And then right after the flood, their lives start to shrink. The, the lifespan of, of mankind starts to go, and each generation, it gets less and less and less until you get to Abraham, and Abraham's the last, like, long-life guy. He's really like the last like real long life guy and real long life means 170 years as opposed to 990 some years, right? And so, and 170 for us, well, I mean, that's, that's obviously an old life, but that's actually within like not that far of striking distance from the oldest people who are living today, you know, compared to 990 some years, you know? And so, Abraham's kind of the last of that. He's a, he's a dying breed, so to speak, you know? And God calls out this patriarch. And there's this weird thing that happens. He has an older brother who dies at the ripe young age of like 70 or something in the presence of his dad. And his, his brother who died has a son named Lot who now hangs out with Abraham's family. And Abraham is still part of this lineage And then something happens. We don't know how, we don't know when, but he hears the voice of God. God speaks to his heart. It doesn't tell us when, it just says that God had spoken to him and he had heard the voice of God. And what God told him was he told him that he was going to have to leave his family and he was going to have to leave his country and he was going to have to leave his land, his nation. And he was going to have to go out and strike out on his own. And God makes him a promise. 
Now, this is where the context is so important. Think about the Tower of Babel and think about what just happened. And now hear this. Genesis 12, 2 to 3. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Think about that in contrast to the Tower of Babel. He says, I'll make of you a great nation. They were like, we're going to be great and we're going to make a tower that goes to the heavens and we're going to stay here and be a great nation. And God's like, no, you're not. And he scatters them. But he pulls one person out generations later and he says, but of you... I'm going to make a great nation. They said, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's be awesome. Let's make it so that everyone else in the world looks over at the Tower of Babel and they're like, those guys are amazing. And instead, what he says is to some just random guy, Abraham, he says, I am going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Not for your own sake, but everyone's going to know your name because when they know your name, they're going to know me. And then he says, uh, after that, that's when he says, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And now just go. And I'm going to bless all the nations. So instead of you being blessed and your name being great and uh, a great tower of your nation, just go. And on the journey, on the journey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to bless all the nations so that people will know me. And that's the calling. It's in direct response to the, there's, there's humanity. We want to do something great. We want to be comfortable. We want people to look at us. We want to have everything that we want to have. And we want to haul up and all of that stuff. And God says in direct opposition, uh, direct opposition to that, I'm going to take you. And in the long haul, I'm going to do something amazing with you. And Abraham, it means like instead of staying in the comforts of my home, I actually have to leave and wander and God says he'll do something awesome, you know? So that's the, that's the contrast to the story of the Tower of Babel and what's going on here. And God saying, here's the culture of broken humanity, but instead of just cleanse, cleansing with a flood, this time I'm going to start with a story of redemption. And I'm going to build a family that does it right. That does it right. It's not all right, but we're going to build a family that's the family of God. So that's the one thing, the historical timeline. And the second thing is this, that it's part of a bigger, uh, 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 there's poetry to this whole thing. Uh, you've heard me talk about the Hebrew literature before and this theme of chiasm um, or, or chiasm, which is, it's poetry in Hebrew literature, okay? Um, it, it's called chiastic structure. And it, it's all throughout Hebrew literature. And what it is, um, the best example, if you've, heard, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about it in this framework before. Chiastic structure is like the first day of creation, what's God do? Separates light and darkness. And you know, on the, on the fourth day of creation, God fills that light and darkness with the sun, moon, and the stars. On the second day of creation, God separates the sky and the water. And on the fifth day, he fills it with the birds and the fish. On the third day, God separates the land from the air. And on the sixth day, he fills it with the living animals that crawl on the earth. And it leaves one day left. Which day? The seventh day. Because that's the important one. I made you to hang out with me. 
That's why we just read at the beginning of the service, those who keep the holy day Sabbath, the Sabbath day holy, which means the whole reason you were created was that fellowship with me, right? That's chiastic structure. God created the world in this structure so that we would know that the seventh day is the one to look at. The life of Abraham, when you look at the story of Abraham, you will find that the whole thing is built around a structure. It's amazing. It's this poetry. And while Hebrew writers write in this poetry, they weren't the ones who wrote the story of Abraham's life. God was. They recorded the poetry of Abraham's life. That's what's awesome. They were able to catch on to the poetry of creation and the poetry of Abraham's life. And what we'll find was there's two times that Abraham has this weird moment with his wife where he's scared of what's going to happen because Pharaoh and Abimelech look at her a certain way and he's scared. And they line up. These two stories are parallels and it shows us something. There's two times when he has to deal with his nephew Lot. There's two times, and there's these repeating natures, and they all parallel each other. But in the middle of all of them, this one's, a, this one's like a boomerang or a triangle. Right in the middle of it all is this boom. Here's the point. And we'll get to that in a few weeks. Okay? And that's the story. Well, that sets up the structure for us of this series. I obviously do not have time to go after the text for today, um, for our message today. So um, we will pick that up next week. But what we're going to do right now is just say this one point. Understanding the context is imperative to being able to understand what's going on really well, to have good framework and understanding. Understanding the poetry helps us see the deep meaning in what's happening. But above all of that, there's one thing that's far more important than understanding. There's far more important than seeing the poetry and seeing the story. There's one thing that's far more important. And it's called obedience. Obedience is what keeps us in the story. Obedience is what allows us to be part of the poetry. And what we will find is, is that this man has poetry in his life because God is poetry and he's stuck with God. We will find that he's a part of the grand story of God and he fits in right in the chain of the narrative because he submitted and had faith in areas where it seemed absolutely crazy to do so. So I just want to remind us today, we will talk all about Obedience next week and faith next week. I want to remind us today, we are part of a poetic story. We are part of a timeline. We are part of the grand narrative of God. And if we want to remain a part of it, we have one thing to do. Listen and obey. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for giving us the story. We thank you and praise you for inviting us to be a part of the family. Thank you for your fathering in our life. Thank you for the fact that every stage of this life
that there's an invitation for us to step deeper. God, we honor those in faith who have gone before us. And we call out that, God, in each and every one of our lives, we are part of this chain, and we ask that you would raise up in us and among us and through us the lineage of the kingdom of God to walk forward in faith for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week.